0: Growing up, I thought my dream was to get married to my soulmate and have children together. Well, I tried going that route and it didn't work out very well for me. Now, here I am at 38, single and ready to mingle, but not in the typical way. I have a three and a half year old son named Lincoln that I really wanna give a sibling to this year. So I'm done waiting for a man to get his act together. And I'm gonna expand my family, but this time on my own terms without the man. This podcast is for all the single moms by choice out there that are confident with being single and want to feel empowered to go the non-traditional route to create the family of your dreams. Hello, hello, and good morning, mamas. I am currently vacationing still in St. Barts with my family this week. Today is our last day and i woke up at 5 30 this morning so obviously no one else is up yet it's 7 30 now i already did some yoga and meditation and breath work to get my mind and body ready for the day and it's so crazy that even on vacation i can't sleep in and i totally think it's a mom thing it's like you can never turn your mom brain off It's just, it really is so fascinating how much our brains change after becoming mothers. So yeah, I thought I would take advantage of recording a podcast episode for this podcast and I'll record one for my life coaching business probably right after this before everybody wakes up and the day gets started. Uh, So I just wanted to talk about my fertility consult that I had this past week on Tuesday. And to be honest, my head is still spinning from all the information that they gave me. I thought that what I was going to be doing through you know, sperm donation and intrauterine insemination, I thought it was going to be like kind of just simple and easy and straightforward. And compared to, you know, when women have infertility struggles and go through in vitro it is a lot simpler and easier but still in the grand scheme of things there's just still a lot going on there's a lot of prep work and there's a part of me that's like still kicking myself because I'm like you know what if I would have decided a year ago I was ready to have a baby and when I was still with my partner like we could have done all this for free and skipped all this and But even though I'm, you know, I'm glad that I did not have another baby with my partner because now us being split up and I really being out of the relationship, I got to see everything that was just so wrong about it and so unhealthy. And adding another baby into that mix, I think would have, it just would not have been good for anyone. But yeah, I'm just going to be real and honest. And there's a part of my brain that is going there. of Like, I like kind of beating myself up a little bit. Why do I have to be so selfish? And why did I have to wait? And I was like, I want to get a little bit more traveling in. I want to do X, Y, and Z before I have another baby. And I don't think that's a bad line of thinking at all. Because once you have your baby, you know, you you have them for the rest of your life. So, and Before I had my son, I traveled around the world for two years. And I am so glad that I did that um, because I don't think, I mean, I would love to travel with my kids like that again, but it's just, it's going to be different, right? After you become a parent and you're responsible for someone, it's different. And so just having those two years of only being responsible to myself, and seeing 50 countries, it was amazing. It was such a beautiful gift. So glad I gave that to myself. So yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing to kind of have like a bucket list of things you wanna accomplish before having kids, but then at the same time, yeah, it's like, did I wait too long and is this the right time? But then again, when is the right time to add in another child to your life? I have no idea. Okay, I'm getting off on a little tangent here, but uh, so yeah, as you can tell, like there's a lot of stuff coming up after my fertility consult, Um, I'll probably talk about it with my therapist, so grateful to have a therapist for just all things in life and really having one to navigate this process is going to be extremely helpful too so yeah i did my fertility consult in my room it was about an hour long on zoom and i spent most of the time chatting with the doctor she was this indian woman she was very nice uh she was really patient and kind and good at explaining things and i took a little she had me like take a little picture of the screenshot she was using the whiteboard on zoom to explain everything and you know I have a medical background. I used to be a labor and delivery nurse and there was still I felt like things that were like over my head or I wasn't like completely grasping. So I don't know how someone who, you know, doesn't have a medical background or wasn't in like the <laughs> the whole pregnancy world. Um I could see how this could be real just could be a lot. Really, really overwhelming. Um, So I'm going to do my best to explain what I took away from that consult and and what's going to be happening next. But I'm not always good too with like remembering all the names and specific details and all that. And and so as I go through this process, I'll be sharing more on the podcast and we'll be able to explain things better. Um, But I do have my first like procedure set up for the day after I get back from St. Bart's and what they're going to be doing. It's the procedure takes, they said about like less than 30 minutes from start to finish. And uh, they are going to put a catheter up inside my uterus and fill it with saline and just uh, make sure like structurally everything looks good in my uterus and that there's not any, blockages or obstructions or fibroids or polyps. Um, They said it will be a little bit uncomfortable, so I should take some Advil before. And then I was looking up online, might be leaking some saline for the next couple days. That'll be fun. And uh, we'll just might have some light cramping I am a little nervous going into this because of my history of heavy periods and clotting. I have a feeling I might have cysts or fibroids in there that, and if they are, they'll most likely need to be removed. I don't, I'm assuming they were not going to do it in that procedure. It'd probably have to be a separate procedure and then she did explain that if there is like bigger fibroids, that that's something that would have to be surgically removed and done through my OB. But if there was just small cysts, they they would be able to remove those. So, um, you know, fertility stuff aside, I'm actually just really grateful that I'm getting to like prioritize this and make sure that this is okay for me health-wise, because like I said, um, for about like, is it maybe a year and a half ago? Like, cons- with every single period, consistently for a year, I was like bleeding for a week, which is way too long for me. Normally, I only bleed for like four day, three or four days, and then like I said the is like I I use a menstrual cup. I was like needing to change the menstrual cup like every one to two hours, which is just way too heavy and lots of clots. So. I was always concerned, but I didn't get it looked into and I kind of wish I would have now. But I am glad that you know we're gonna look into this now because uh cyst and, and fibroids, it is something that can cause miscarriages and infertility. So yeah, I'm grateful that we're we're looking into this. And then um I need to get a bunch of you know lab work done too and um, just make sure like everything looks good hormone wise. And um, let's see, what else? What else I gonna do? And then, oh, I needed to get like the genetic testing done to make sure that I'm not a carrier of any uh, recessive genetic diseases that can be passed down to my child. And if I do have those, and I have to take that into consideration with the type of sperm that I choose from my donor, My brother, Alan, did have cystic fibrosis uh, and he passed away at 14 months. I never got to meet him. He was my older brother. And so I made sure that I got tested for that, that I was not a cystic fibrosis carrier. So I already know that. I got that done before I got, or I think after I got pregnant with Lincoln. Or, no, no, before I got pregnant with Lincoln. Yeah, before we started trying. I just wanted to make sure. And because I have, because I'm 50% Jewish, then they also need to run those tests on me for the TISACs. And there's one other one to make sure, yeah, I don't have, again, I'm not a carrier of those type of genes. So, again, just really, really grateful to take these steps, to know this information. Uh, it's almost kind of a little alarming that like I could have be I could have gone wiry well, did, but again I could have gotten pregnant with my partner or maybe accidentally with someone else, and that I wouldn't know all these things. And this actually this whole process makes me feel a little bit safer and makes me wonder maybe every woman who is getting ready to conceive should kind of go through this journey ahead of time and just make like let's just do an examination and make sure everything looks good in your uterus and let's let's do this genetic testing like you know what what could that prevent so this this whole experience has already been so eye-opening for me and I feel like I've barely tapped into it that's how I'm I'm looking at all of this is it's just it's a big adventure right now that kind of helps to like take the pressure off of the situation for me. And I I love adventures. I'm always up for adventures. That's why I love to travel. So I'm just looking at this as like my next big, like kind of travel adventure, traveling through my fertility journey. <laughs> and it's just like really helping me to look at everything like with an open mindset and being curious and learning and being fascinated and i guess it just kind of takes the weight and the pressure off the situation a bit more for me so yeah i have to do labs and then i have another procedure scheduled for about two weeks after i get back and um that one's a bit more painful from what they told me and then i have a friend who went through in vitro as well, and had to get this done. They said I need to take at least 800 milligrams of Advil before. I don't know exactly what this procedure is. Uh, The name of it, I will let you guys know in a future podcast episode. I do know that they also have to make sure that my fallopian tubes are open. Sometimes those can get blocked as well. Um, And they said like, if one is blocked, then you only have a chance of like, getting pregnant every other cycle instead of the 15 to 20% chance with every cycle. That was something that I did not know. Let's see. So yeah, I'm a little bit nervous with that. Uh, I mean, you know, no one likes to go through painful things, but it is what it is. And unfortunately, a lot of stuff with childbirth, birth is physically painful. And I would know because I had a home birth and was in labor for about four days. (laughs) So, yeah, if I can do that, I keep reminding myself, if I can do that, I can do anything. I can literally do anything. So I have those two procedures. And I said, the lab work, Um, they gave me the name of five different well-known sperm banks in the United States that they use. I did not realize that I have to like... Do all this myself, like I have to reach out to my sperm bank of choice and do a consult with them and then start to choose my my sperm, which is feeling a little intimidating, a little overwhelming. And so that's kind of like a whole another process in itself. Um, I am gonna do a hypnotherapy session with my I went through a hypnotherapy training about like four years ago in Seattle and I recently reconnected with my hypnotherapy teacher and she's going to do a session for me. I'm just going to see if I can like connect with my spirit baby on a deeper level and and partner with my baby around some of these choices. Um, I'm a very spiritual person. I've been reading a lot about spirit babies and I feel that we leave our babies out of this process a lot. And I think we should bring them more into the decision-making process. And so I wanna to talk to my spirit baby and I wanna see if, like I'm fairly certain it's a girl, I wanna see if you know she has any input or guidance on like best helping me to choose a sperm donor or the sperm bank to go with or any other kind of decisions, you know, we're or, or partnering together around this process it's not just me it's she's a part of all of this too so i want her to feel included i think that's important so yeah i have the two procedures i have the lab work i have the sperm donation so that probably that'll be a whole episode in itself um after i do that consult with the sperm bank Uh, Because like I said, I was already starting to go on the website and research it. And it's, it's just, it's like its own set of culture. (laughs) Um, So I don't even know if I want to get into all that today. Like I said, I think that deserves a whole nother episode on its own. And yeah, and then I learned that insurance will cover the lab work, but it doesn't cover anything else. And I was like getting so nervous with the pricing. And the doctor was like, okay, we're gonna have um, you know, this woman who works in our office come in and she'll talk about the pricing with you. And I like felt like my heartbeat start to go faster. I was like starting to sweat a little bit 'cause I'm like, okay, I know this isn't gonna be like as expensive as in vitro, but like what are we talking about here price wise? And um when she said the prices, it actually it was not too bad. Um there was like, she said, they're going to be sending me two separate invoices. One would be like $825. And the other one was like over a thousand. And that included the the lab work, the IUI procedure and intrauterine insemination. That's what that stands for. And then the, the two other smaller procedures. And so I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. That's that's totally doable. I could make that work. I thought she was going to say something like 20,000, 30,000. Like my imagination was just going wild. And then, you know, I have to pay for the sperm as well. Um, The one vial of sperm can be anywhere from like 800 to $1,100. And I know that they recommend like you get a couple of vials of sperm. Um, Sometimes people will do like, you know intrauterine insemination two or three times in a row for one cycle or or if it you don't you don't get pregnant at that time then you would do it for another cycle and then the shipping and handling is outrageous cuz they have to put it on you know they have to they keep it frozen they put it on dry ice so it's like a couple hundred dollars for shipping and handling so my doctor was saying you know you want to like kind of get all your vials at once there's just a lot of cost <laughs> to consider here. Again, kind of like I was, why I was thinking like, hmm, maybe I should have just sucked it up and did it with my partner while we were together and we could have avoided all these costs. But I think really what I'm paying for here is, is my freedom. Is my freedom to raise this baby on my own and not have to deal with a partner who's not in my opinion not ready to father another child and yeah for the rest of my life that I get to make my own decisions with how I parent this baby and where I travel with this baby where I live with this baby like you know just yeah so i think what i'm really paying for here is the freedom in this process yeah um. so let's see what else Um, I've been talking to my family about it uh, you know they were asking like oh yeah you had a call what was your call about and so I've just been honest and open with them and um, they haven't you know to be honest they haven't been the most supportive around this right now and I'm trying to decide how I feel about it Um trying not to let it sway me in any direction they think that i should wait another year before i go through this and and i had considered that as well because of everything being so fresh with the breakup and you know just navigating co-parenting with my son yeah, i thought about it should i should i wait but at the same time you know i do feel ready now i mean do I feel 100% ready now? No. Like I'm not I've just really I'm not ever going to be 100% ready to bring a new child into my life. Like I don't think you're ever 100% ready to do anything big and scary in your life. But I do feel like I'm in a good place in my business and yeah, just in my life and you know, I've to think this is not like you're going to wake up one morning and the baby's going to be on your doorstep. Like it's, I, I asked the doctor realistically, when can we do the first insemination? And she said, probably April. Um, I was hoping March, but, uh, yeah, she said March is going to be too soon. So yeah, so we're already pushing that off a couple months and then, you know, of course it may take a couple, who knows when I'm going to get pregnant and then, you know, nine months. So it's, yeah, I still have some time here. I have some time to adjust to this new situation of living by myself and co-parenting with my partner. And um, I don't know if my parents kind of like thought about that. And really with any, you know, with kind of any big risk that I've taken in life where I'm like going against the grain, they've always been a little hesitant. And I think that it's, you know, uh, I think from a parent's point of view, it's just like, well, I just want to make sure my child's doing the right thing and they're going to be okay. And they're going to have the best life possible. And, you know, so our parents put a lot of project, a lot of their fears and their worries onto us. And I know that they're, you know, my, my parents are been happily married. Well, my dad's remarried now. My parents got divorced when I was three, but you know, my dad's probably looking at this from like, oh, this is my daughter and she doesn't have a man to take care of her and you know, I'm I'm nervous, I'm worried for her, and now she's gonna add another stressor into her life and you know, I can I can if I like look at it from that point of view, I I totally understand and see where he's coming from. But, you know, I've been talking to my coach and my therapist and like I really appreciate them empowering me or helping to empower me in this situation saying like, you're going to figure this out, Krista. You always do. Like you're not afraid to go after what you want in life and you're incredibly resourceful and you'll find the right support to help you through this. And, and that's what I did when I left my nursing career and I started my own business and my family strongly advised me against that. They. And they were the ones that wanted me to be a nurse in the first place because they said it would be like, you know, a stable, well-paying career, which it was for five years, but didn't make me happy. And so I just realized, like, of course, they they want the best for me. They want me to be safe. They want me to be happy. They want me to be financially secure. But at the end of the day, really, I'm the only one who knows what's going to make me the happiest, who knows what's best for me and this is what I teach my life coaches is that really we don't have many people in our lives that are holding space for us and saying, what do you think is best for you to do here? You know, and really helping us to trust ourselves and our decisions. And and that's why life coaching, working with a life coach is so, so valuable. And I'm grateful that I have worked with coaches because The old me in this situation would probably just listen to my parents like, oh, yeah, you're right. I either need to not do this or I should wait um, because this is going to be too hard. This is going to be too stressful. And the new me is like, no, I I get to make these life choices for myself. You know, I'm not a little girl anymore. And that I am strong. I am capable. I am whole. I am resourceful. I, I'm going to figure this out. I am going to figure this out. And of course, there's still like a little, little tiny part of me is like, yeah, am I making the right decision here? Is this what I really want? So I don't have to do this. I don't have to go through with this. I could just, you know, I, I I do have a couple different options where I could just have my son. And not have any more kids. Uh, Yeah, see, that just doesn't feel right when I say that loud. Or I can wait for my next relationship. Whoever knows when that will be. (laughs) And again, I'm 38, so it's not like I'm swimming in time here. And honestly, I don't want to go into a relationship with that type of agenda. Because I've done that before, and it really just does not turn out well at all. So this really does feel like it's the best, it's the best option for me. And I just keep thinking about the future and I see me and Lincoln and then this, my daughter with her dark brown hair and we're like sitting at the dinner table and we're laughing and we're traveling and just like we're being a family. And I don't know if there's, you know, a man involved there or not. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of different relationships that come in and out of my life over the years. Maybe not, I don't know, but I see myself with my two kids. I see it, I I see it all the time when I talk with my future self and I always see me holding Lincoln's hand and a baby on my hip. (laughs) So I just can't imagine not going through this process and it feels like now is the right time. Oh, so, um, you know, just thanks, everyone, for listening to this. I think it's really important for me to say these things out loud, even just like with the emotions coming up, the way I'm feeling in my body. It's like really reassuring to be like, I always take like any emotion that comes on all of a sudden, I always take it. It's a sign from my spirit guides and my spirit baby that they're they're right there with me. They're reassuring me. They're They're communicating with me. So that's why I thought it was so important to start this podcast, have somewhere where I could put these thoughts, share this journey. So, yeah, I just really appreciate whoever's going to listen to this, that you're listening and that um, I'm just, you know, I'm going to take this one step at a time. So next thing on the list is this procedure on Monday. So attending that getting through that, um, figuring out if we have any fibroids or cysts in my uterus. And if so, next steps to take from there. So, you know, it's, it's kind of what I always tell my clients, like, we're not going to look up at the top of Mount Everest right now and say, how do I get there? Because that feels very daunting and overwhelming. So I'm not going to be like, how, how the fuck do I go from where I am right now to holding this baby in my arms? Like there's a lot of steps in between. So we're just gonna look at what is, right? How do we get to base camp? How do we get to that first milestone? So this first milestone is getting, you know, I I got the, got the consult completed, which felt like a challenge after having to reschedule that and then doing it now, doing the consult in a foreign country on vacation. <laughs> so first challenge overcome, first milestone complete, now, second milestone, doing this procedure, making sure, checking to see what's in the uterus, and then we'll just we'll go from there. I'm not going to worry about choosing a sperm bank right now or just all the other million things that you have to do when getting ready to have a baby, plus all the other responsibilities in life. So as you can see, I'm just talking myself through this so I don't get overwhelmed. So one step at a time. All right, guys. Well, I think that's all I have for you. Um, Like I said, I'm so grateful you're on this journey with me. I hope that it's helping you to hear my story. And I'll see you in the next episode.